Welcome to Goodwill Talk. We're so glad you're here today. At Goodwill Talk, you'll get to know your pastors, hear answers to your questions, gain biblical perspective on things going on in the world, and most of all, grow in your love for Jesus and the Bible. Let's listen in to today's conversation. Well, welcome again, everyone, to another episode of Goodwill Talk. This is Pastor Marcos with you, one of the pastors here at Goodwill Church, and I am joined by Jessica Kilduff, as usual. Jess, how's it going? It's good. This is Life is good. Th- this is scheduled to come out the day after Valentine's Day. I'm sure I had a lovely time. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, Pastor John Torres, senior pastor of the yep. church, is with us. How are you doing? Doing great. So Valentine's Day, is that a thing that you guys do in your house? Is that a big deal? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, uh, yeah, I get her something. She gets me something. You know, uh, with the kids, it's kind of funny because they kind of, everyone in the class gets a Valentine and then that stops, which is kind of sad because I think that's probably the best approach to Valentine's is everyone gets a little Star Wars card or oh, something, yeah. you know, with the lollipop Yoda stuck the to best it. or something, you know, Yoda the best, Yoda best. <laughs> That's you know, good. You know, so, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. And in the church, it's, it's good. You know, I, as a senior pastor, like 20 some odd years, I look back and I, I see we've had some Valentine's day programs yeah. and they've been really elaborate and, you know, uh, people have enjoyed those and I'm glad for that. And but in the back of my mind, I've always worried that we are lifting up marriage and family and all that too high, and that can happen. It can become idolatry quickly, or we can become more like Mormons. And and if you don't know anything about Mormonism, kind of the family unit is 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 part of the theology. Yeah, and it's really important, and I think more and more important to communicate that you do not have to be married, you do not have to be in a family of any kind. And you can be a full-fledged disciple of Jesus yeah. Christ, full-fledged, valued, fully valued member of the church, yeah. and full leader in the church. And when, you know, I just, I, so I, I am wrestling with that. I don't know where I'm going with it. I hope to succeed in doing more things for singles, and I want to do great quality things for marriage, fam, you know, marriage right. and families. I want to be a part of that myself. It's about you celebrating know? both. It's yeah. about celebrating marriage and celebrating singleness because we don't the want way to alienate, alienate the singles. Absolutely, but and we also, do. I mean, we 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 certainly have. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we, that's totally the only right. thing. We've like done. we're having this for us. You can come too. Yeah, it won't oh, be weird. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you it that it's weird. not weird There's for you. There's a table over there right. where you can all sit. You know, like, we'll, we'll tell you mixer. that it's not weird for you, but it's going to be weird for you. If we yeah. put all the singles at the same table, then maybe they'll leave not single anymore. Right. Hey. So that's the other thing. We'll fix them. Oh. We'll we'll heal their, will cure their singleness. It's no, brutal. No fixing and needed. Right. And it's, exactly. And it's thoroughly contrary to how Paul understands singleness, which is a gift. It is a gift to be single. Well, it's really interesting to see the lack of commentary in the New Testament about marriage. Yes. Marriage should be honored by all, those kinds of things. Yeah. Kind of medicinal, kind of kind of basic, mm-hmm. obvious stuff, but it's not the point, it's not the fire, it's not the passion of the writers of the books in the New Testament. At most, it appears to be the the most we, credit we can give to marriage is, is a picture of Christ's love for the church. It gets to be a demonstration of that. Right. Singleness gets to be a picture of somebody who gives the entirety of their lives to Christ. Yeah. They both carry profound weight, and yet in the evangelical church, marriage is the one we really, really celebrate. Singleness is like a phase you have to go through before you get to real mature Christianity, quote unquote, 
in marriage. And it's just... That's so sad. It is. It's brutal for the single right. folks in the right. church. And So I think it's important to emphasize that. And I heard somebody say that, you know, uh, being married is a blessing and really difficult. Being single is a blessing and really difficult. Right. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. There's illustrations for both in Scripture. Like you pointed out, they're equal. They're equal weighted. And they're not about being married or being single. Right. Being married is an illustration of Christ in the church. Being single is an illustration of a true devoted disciple. Yeah. Amen. And and so when, when we talk today about love and you know, love, love stories. And we're going to talk a little bit about our own stories and, and our relationships with our spouses and all that. What we're not doing, or at least what we're going to try not to do is elevate marriage beyond where God has put it. It serves a function. It's important, but it's not ultimate. And, and that's gotta be, that's gotta be key. Cause we have, we've turned it into an ultimate thing. Yeah. And then we ruin the holiday. The holidays doesn't have that much substance to it. No, you know, it is the it's, ultimate it's like hallmark consumerist. <laughs> it's pretty superficial. Oh, yeah, but you can enjoy superficial, sure, unless you try to pack too much into it. Well, you know, you, you can't like make it more than it can be, or more. Well, you it's know. never a win. I mean, uh, you you get flowers for your wife, big deal. That's a zero. And Marcos, you're quick to point out that if you don't. What, what was you your... go into the negatives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're it's... not just a zero anymore. You're in the doghouse. Yeah. So it's a death trap. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean oh, man. that's terrible. I'm never getting a job with Hallmark cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I tell you what, the Hallmark would sell more cards if the section was labeled survive Valentine's Day. He'd be like, oh, that's where I need to go. I need to go there and survive it. Uh, I think a part of this is um, Valentine's Day it can be fun unless it's turned into a bigger deal than it is. It's like cotton candy, right? A bit of cotton candy is fun unless you're trying to eat that for dinner every day. You will eventually die. Like it is superficial, fluffy, fun, but not at all what what marriage is built on, <laughs> what real yeah. love is built on. It's not built on the box of chocolates. Right. Well, and marriage and Valentine's Day feeds into this uh, lie about romance and right. love. That's perpetuated by our movies and by our songs and by books, you know, that it's all magic and, you know, you, you fall in love and there's just all the sparks and then, and it's just perfect. And then, you know, and the songs say, you know, if I Barf. have you in my life, I'll be complete, <laughs> you know, it's oh, like, yeah. wow, that's a relationship <laughs> headed to the, the dustbin. The I you mean, complete me statement <laughs> from that movie is like... like you need counseling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's what you need. You know what I want? I want a I want a Hollywood Hollywood movie, like chick flick type of movie, where the protagonist goes through the whole movie, turns down all the relationships, and lives a totally fulfilled single life. Right. I don't think it would sell, but no. I want to see that movie happen. It's not writing, a good date movie. You start writing. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I don't need you? Goodbye. Yeah, no. Oh. I'm just going to go home and sit on the couch. But the the, the reality of actual love, it's, uh, there's romantic love in the Bible. Yeah. The reality is we, we both need God. And, and no, we don't need to play God or substitute God in each other's lives. And that's kind of, that's the essence of the romantic lie is that this person will do what Jesus can do for me. You know, this person will satisfy me spiritually. This person will make me feel complete. And that's that's a lie. It's thoroughly unbiblical. It's, 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 it's horrible. It's yeah. dark. Well, and it sets your marriage up for failure because you're just like, if you're ch constantly chasing that 
feeling the tingles and the you know the new relationship it's not real and it's not going to last. It's, it's actually not real. Like it's, it's chemi- not real. It's chemical. And those chemicals are going to go away someday. And you have to have more to <laughs> land your relationship on. Is what you're saying. Don't chase the tingles. Don't chase the tingles. Uh, that's it. I mean, you're right. It, there's a lot of people who will use the language when they're getting divorced. We fell out of love. And it's like, what is that? Right. The butterflies went away. Like, what are you? You're not 12 anymore. That's <laughs> that was the bar. And the thing is, you can make the butterflies. You can make the tingles. Do the work. There's a man. There's a little bit of a manual for that in Song of Songs. Hey, <laughs> you know? there it is. There really is. I, this is a. Uh, I don't know if we, the parental discretion advised part of the show, but <laughs> like there is something that's also happened. I think it's with the elevation of marriage. It's the um, thorough overvaluing of sex itself, right? Because I remember this when I was in college. Um, everybody is trying to get married. I went to a Christian college. Everybody's trying to get married for the sex. And it's like, you know what? Y'all are going to end up in some really unhealthy relationships because you're building the whole thing on, we just want to be allowed to have sex. Well, that's not good. If but, that's why you're getting married, um, talk to a pastor, please. And hopefully the pastor doesn't say, hey, that's exactly right. You should do it. No, yeah. no, no, no. Like they'll use the verse too. Where Paul says, if you're if you're burning with desire for another person, you ought to get married so that you don't sin before the Lord. Doesn't mean enter into an unhealthy relationship so that you can have sex with one another. And the elevation, which becomes a devaluation. Right. It ruins it. Yes. Because the expectations are impossibly high. Right. They're, they're God-sized expectations. We put God-sized expectations on our relationships with other people, and we ruin those relationships. We put God-sized expectations on our experiences like sex, and then it becomes like, well, this, it looked a lot better in the movies right. it did, when this it couple fell in love, and then, right. and then the music came, and then the, and the, the, the scene darkened because it was a PG movie. And I, <laughs> and, I mean, and I knew what was going on, and it right. was like, oh, that's awesome. I want that too. Well, no, that's fake. Right. That's not real. That's phony. It's a fantasy land. They're, the movies are selling you a fantasy land and, that's not real life. And it doesn't work. And I, I, how many couples have I talked to where I'd say, look, if we're going to talk about the bedroom, we're talking about sex, you guys have to talk to each other. And that's nobody wants to do that. Like, no, that's not how it works. That's how it works. That's exactly how it <laughs> that's, works. That's the only way it works. To, if you want it to work well, that's how that <laughs> you works. Gotta you need to have a conversation. You, you got, yes. You're communicating with each other. Yes. and. And sex is part of that communication. And that's that's difficult for people because the expectation has been set up by movies that everything should just be an automatic, amazing falls cloud in, nine. It's like, place. whoa, 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 whoa. Be human beings. Yeah. Don't be don't be fantasy land weirdness. Just be married people who have to talk things through. And that's every aspect of your life. And and what this can also do is this can create such a difficult thing for single folks who feel like they're missing out on so much because they're single. And and it's just like, man, you have a different life. It's different, but it's not deficient. Right. And and we have to keep like hammering that home. You are not deficient by being single, but God has brought this into your life. He has gifted you with singleness for a time or for the entirety of your life. I know people who will be single from the moment that they were born to the moment they die. And they can, in Christ, be completely fulfilled. Absolutely. And and we are some for some and reason people don't believe it. I would love to, in in the term of my pastorate, somehow start to get there, where it's in the church because it's not, and that's that's it's a it's a big problem. 
It really is. Yeah. Because because we're missing the point. It's Jesus. It's yes. it's the Bible. It's the Word of God. It's not this, you know, Hollywood informed or Christian Hollywood. You know, because that's what we have right. now. Yeah. Informed <laughs> idea of of love that isn't even love. Like when the Bible talks about love, it doesn't talk about any of that. Right. It's sacrifice. It's 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 a much more beautiful thing, really. Yeah. Well, and as Christians, you're called to disciple and discipleship. And that's not like whether you're single and that's in the people in your influence or whether you're married and that's your, you know, spouse and your family who are your closest influences. Like it's still, it's discipleship, you know, like the, the family group isn't something set apart or, mm. or different. Like you don't do anything magical in your family or being a family doesn't make you magical. It's discipleship just like every other relationship. No, that's a really Except good Except they word. live with you. I mean, I mean, think about that for a second. The the husband and wife are in a discipleship relationship with one Absolutely. Another. Yeah. And, and what is it? Marriage is, is the sanctification machine? Isn't that what somebody <laughs> says? It is pretty good. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, it's true. And and disciple you get to disciple one another on a much deeper level because you're with each other all the time and you see all of the ugly. Yeah. You see every deficiency, every character flaw, all of it. And so this is an opportunity to disciple one another. But I don't know that people think of marriage as primarily about discipleship. I just don't think that's how folks view it. I think they view it as something other. And they they think, well, that doesn't have the sizzle I want. You, you got to want another sizzle then, because well, the sizzle you want isn't working for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it's. I think if, if that's what you're chasing, you're chasing like middle school love, like middle school, like we're holding hands and it feels so nice. <laughs> and that's not like real. That's just not real. Yeah. That's And like, that's not. So if you're middle school sweethearts, we apologize, but well, I don't know you. It's not that it can't, not that it can't be like, not that middle school love can't survive and turn into a mature love. But like, if that is the end goal yeah. of your relationship is to have that feeling that you felt when you first held hands with somebody in middle school is not real life. You're just, right. you know, you need to get past. And I feel like, you know, discipleship is a good goal. It really it is. It's <laughs> understatement of the year. <laughs> 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 or like a good, maybe not a good goal, like a good focus, you know, it's like what if, matters. If and if you love somebody, you want them to grow in Christ. You want the, you know, grow closer to each other, grow closer to God. But Absolutely. That's a beautiful way of putting it. Really. So, um, part of me wishes that we had a single person on the panel right now to have a conversation. Even our producer back here is, is married. So we're all married folks. Um, sorry with kids, so with kids. So that's another, yeah, so there's married people without kids and married kids. Married people that can't have kids, all that. We were that for a while. Can can we? I want to. I want to broach this, and hopefully not get in trouble. So let's see if I can do that. We have this belief about marriage that its primary function is procreation. That drives me insane. I hate it. It's not its primary function, and I understand because even in the vows. Right. When you're when you're doing a wedding ceremony as a pastor, there's this portion I read where it's one of the things, but we man, we turn having kids into like this uh holy moment where it's like it's it's beautiful, it's wonderful, there's a human being there. Oh my gosh, can we stop elevating the having of children the way that we have? It's yeah. it's crazy for me. I, and it's anti biblical because you know, I mean, we're talking about marriage, we're talking about something so precious in God's eyes, and he does, in Ephesians 5, equate it with Christ in the church. Right. He does put the two together so we can look at the two through a similar lens, so we can understand each, especially Christ and Christ in the church. 
But before there was sin, there was a problem. Adam was alone. And so there was this creation of a relationship with, you know, man and woman were made and, you know, together. You see that in chapter one. And then you see this beautiful picture of Adam and the rib and, and what Adam, his confession there, you know, she's for me. I'm going to call her woman. And, uh, that, and that there's no, there, children aren't there. Nope. You know? It's total completeness without the kids. In fact, if you want to mess with people's heads, children come after the fall. Yup. Oh, that explains it. Oh, that explains my children. Uh, who are the first children after all? Who's the first child? First child is a murderer. Cain. Mm-hmm. Little heathens. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I think I, this is this is something that we totally do get backwards. And and here's what happens because I I do see we this a lot as a pastor. We idolize the children, right? And and this is why you will hear the stories of uh, we've been married for 23 years. And we feel like we don't know each other anymore. Oh, well, what have you been doing the last 20? We've been raising kids and we've stopped communicating and we've stopped pouring into our relationship because we've made our marriage all about the kids. Everything about my life has been about the kids. And now we don't know each other and we feel like we need to get divorced. Well, then you just had your priorities totally out of whack. Kids are good. I love kids. I have my own kids. Kids need a good marriage. They need a good marriage. They, they need discipleship too. And the marriage has to be built around discipleship. The parenting has to be built around discipleship, which means in the priority of relationships, the relationships between you and the Lord have to be primary, then your relationship with your spouse, then your relationship with your kids. Absolutely. And you get that out of order, chaos happens. Right. Well, and kids get messed up. Yeah. 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 Well, in raising your kids, are you trying to raise like a great wife or a great husband or a great parent? I'm just trying to raise people who love God. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, you know, I, I think we have somehow in evangelicalism got this all twisted up. And I don't know if it's because people make a lot of money writing a lot of books on, on this. I, I don't know what has happened, but it just feels totally out of whack to me. I don't yeah. know. Maybe, you know, because you were you, John, you've been in this world for a lot longer than me, but it, it feels totally out of hand. Well, and the problem with when you overemphasize something like family, then you you underserve it. So we have all this emphasis on family, all this emphasis on marriage. Divorce rates are the same. Kids are washing out, washing out of families, washing out of relationships, washing out of their faith. And so uh, we, you know, when we get it backwards, we 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 don't give good things to the other priorities. We 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 mess the whole lineup, you know. And that's what I've seen often, you know. So we were childless for many many years, you know, infertile couple. And there's a, there's a bunch of them in the church. And so we adopted, and all the weird things that people say when you adopt all reflect that same mindset, you know? I mean, the, the, the classic thing is when you adopt, people say, well, I know somebody who adopted, and then they got pregnant. And isn't that wonderful? And so I, I, I try to respond well. I'm not well known for... Responding well? <laughs> yeah, I respond okay, I guess. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Why would so you my say new that? baby, my new adopted baby daughter is is really just a fertility treatment. She's a precursor yeah. to the real baby? Yeah, to the real baby. Yeah. It's amazing we treat human beings like they're consolation prizes. Right. It's absolutely absurd. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of families go through a lot medically to try to have right. babies. And so I remember talking with some doctors about this and they said the huge problem here is that you'll have these couples and they'll pay thousands and thousands of dollars and go through all kinds of stuff for six months, a year, two years, whatever. And then they'll have that baby. 
And that baby is supposed to be everything. But it's just a and regular the baby old, got a regular is baby. A baby. That's a child, a brat. Yep. Your baby's you know? got colic. <laughs> Good luck. And yeah. your baby's got an attitude. Yep. And your baby's not listening to mm -hmm. you. And your baby yeah. wants it now. Right. And suddenly it doesn't the, care how much you paid for it. No. And it and it's not the end all be all. And you're trying to get something from the baby from whatever right. other source right. that you can only get from God. And and there is a you know, all the money and all the pain and and it's just it's it's a terrible process. There is this um stigma around adoption that I just want to go away yeah. in the worst way. And um, you know, it, this even we we did a My Choice fundraiser and uh there was a young woman in the video, and John, you brought this up. Yeah. That this young woman um, basically says, if I was going to have a baby, I want to be in the baby's life. I didn't even want to consider adoption, but I was considering abortion. That level of stigma around giving your child up for adoption is so frightening that she would rather have an abortion. Think of how awful and wicked that is. Yeah, it's killed a lot of kids. And it's it's just to give your child up for adoption it nine, 99 times out of 100 is an act of heroism. Yeah, we we actually say place your child in adoption, yeah. you know, cuz it's really an act of the birth parent. Amen. Yeah. That's I mean that's thank you. That's much better language. You place your child up for adoption or, or what uh, what is the language you place, place your child, child in adoption? You place know, your in, child in adoption. Yeah. yeah. That's that's heroism. Yeah. Like moms who have done that and that's I'm not going to say how hard or easy that is. I'm not a mom who's ever had to do that. Heroes. Yeah. Because these children There's are, are being loved and cared for by parents, not by adoptive parents, by parents who are loving these kids and raising them and in Christian homes in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I I don't know how we get rid of the stigma around adoption, but it's gotta happen. Well, it all kind of is all part of the same thing. You know, we have this 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 illusion about love, illusion about romance, illusion about family, illusion about children, and these things are are alive and well in the church. And you don't really want to attack them. Like, you don't want to attack marriage. You know what I mean? Because right. so, they are all good things. They're right. all really good in, things. In their place. And more than that, they all need help. Mm. Yeah. So we need to help people with marriage. And that's part. And what does the Bible say? And how do we have programs? And, and how do we enjoy being married, enjoy being parents, enjoy being adoptive parents, you know, in, in the church? But, uh, you know, it, at some point, we, we have to start making some progress with this because... There, there is a price to pay. Yeah. You know, uh, I remember when I first joined the My Choice Board, I've been off it now for a couple of years, but it was many years ago, and the director gave me this paper, and he said, this is going to be the hardest paper you've ever read. And it was about how the views of adoption are the number one contributor to the, the rates of abortion. Yeah. You know, and, and at some point, a friend of mine, uh, he, he pointed out, it was some point in history in the early 21st century, where they, they knew that the number of adoptions uh, sought, the number of parents who wanted to adopt, matched the number of abortions in, in the country. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't know where the, that stat is wow. now, and I think it, it varies, it goes up and down. But you, you just got a clear picture that, yeah. oh, all these, these, these women, you know, they, they, they could choose to place their child, and it's not an open loop, it's not an open wound, no. it's, it's finished. You know, and you're good, and you've chosen life, and 
It's a blessing. Rosaria Butterfield is an author who uh, she's lived for a long time in upstate New York, actually. And now she's down in the Carolinas somewhere <laughs> like people do. Uh, <laughs> and um, in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, she spends some time here on this and says, we, we have to, as a church, celebrate adoption in all of its sides. Right. You know, and, and that's that is something that I think we can work on. We can lean into that yeah. adoption is a good thing. Not yeah. not asterisk. It is a fundamentally good thing, right? And yeah, isn't it funny? We're talking about things. Of course, marriage is good. It's, it's this is the Valentine's Day issue. You know, right. of course, <laughs> romance and family are good, but singleness is good. Yes, adoption is good, and and they do, they don't need defending. We 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 need the lies to be cleared out. Mm. You know, we need uh, disinfecting. You know, in our thinking. Yeah. So when. Um, we're, we're coming up towards the end of the episode, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, one of the things that we have talked about kind of, you know, behind the scenes as a church and, and all of this is how do we uh, encourage couples towards greater discipleship, healthier marriages in the life of the church? Um, how do we, as we're doing that, uh, encourage single folks to have a voice into the life of married people? Because single folks can, can give marriage advice. That's something else I think people don't realize. You don't have to be married to give good marriage advice. You, you just have don't. to know what you're talking about. Right. Um, so how, what are some of the things we can do as a church to, to strengthen family life, but not to the exclusion of those who are in non-traditional families, blended families, single, stuff like that? How do we, how do we manage this? Because it seems like a, a difficult thing to do. Well, didn't we talk about how we were going to all tell our stories, our love stories? Oh, we can do that. Do you want to do that? Yeah. All but right. Here's what's interesting, and then we're going to go do that. Okay. I, I think that, that we ought to have a place where people can tell their singleness stories. Yeah. You know? Because we're, we're missing sight of what's good there, mm. you know? And and the Bible does, you know? You say, Paul, well, there's, it's good to get married. It's good to be single. Here's, here's the case for this. Here's the case for that. It's all about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's helpful. Because yeah, I that was the one thing about this episode where I'm like, mm. and you brought this up too, John. How do we care for single people when we're talking right. about love? Right. And uh you know and I had a lot and, of single people involved in my love relationship, you know, with Shannon. Well, and also the the various kinds of love relationships. Like yeah. we've lost sight of really good friendships. Yeah. Really good friendship has suddenly become like a precursor towards a sexual relationship. No? Like we do this with with male female friendships, we we become very suspicious of them, and we're like, oh well, that that must mean they're going to become sexual. No, they're friends. Uh, same sex relationships, same way. It's you get too close. Oh, this must be headed. No, they're good friends. We even do this with when we interpret the Bible. Liberals will look at the David and Jonathan relationship and wonder if there's something homosexual going on there. No, they're really good friends. Right. We've lost sight of the love between friends. And maybe single people can remind us of that. Amen. So who wants to go first with the love story? Mine's not very romantic. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'll start. You guys can end. Sold. All right. <laughs> no, Matt and I met at a, um, a family graduation party. Okay. Matt has worked for uh, distant cousins of mine. Like, I think they're my second cousins. My grandmother and their grandmother are first cousins. And... Uh, my my cousin introduced me to Matt. And so you married your cousin? 
No, Matt's not my cousin. He was a family friend. <laughs> oh, man. But my cousins Sorry. do always joke. <laughs> I just wanted to make it interesting. <laughs> they do always joke that he was always trying to get into our family. Well, all right. But no. So we, <laughs> we we met there and they introduced him. That was wrong. And they were like, certainly you've met Matt before. And I was like, no. They're like, Matt's been around since second grade. How have you not met him? He's been up to Roscoe a bunch of times. Like he was at my goddaughter's first birthday. I wasn't there because I was working. Oh, wow. So like there's a whole bit. We've been to like family weddings at the same time, at the same wedding, and just never, and just never met. met. Okay. So that was all. And then, then we met, and a couple weeks later, uh, we met again because I guess he asked for my phone number, and none of my family would give it to him. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. And so we met again at uh, at fireworks on the Fourth of July, and then we started dating, and we got engaged the next year, and we got married three months later. Okay. And wow. So at the fireworks, that's pretty romantic. He asked you out at the fireworks because there were fireworks. There's more to the story that's a lot less romantic. It seems like it could have been. Yes. <laughs> but you're gonna you're gonna but, help us out. So with this that is the cliff clear version, basically. Is what no, you're just it was throw water on that. All right. It was it candle. was fine. It was fine. We watched the Tour de France. So that's we started hanging out every day after that because the Tour de France is like 28 days long. I was going to ask you about day. the tour because last week you mentioned that cycling played into your relationship. Yeah. Well, when I first met him, I noticed that he shaved his legs, so that'll give you a whole new outlook oh, on Matt. We learned so much about Matt. <laughs> I don't think he'll care that I shared that. Well, it's but too so late. being a person who <laughs> being a person who watched cycling, as soon as I saw that he shaved his legs, I knew he rode a bike. He could have been so swimming. That was, How that do you like, know well, that? Because it was in Ulster County. Like there's not there's nowhere to swim that you would shave your legs. Yeah, all right, all right. I don't know. It just in my mind it didn't make sense. Yeah, but anyway, fair. so we got talking about cycling and then we watched the Tour de France that okay. like, you know, hung out for a couple of hours almost every day wow. through the month of July watching the tour. The and Tour then, de France as a matchmaker. Mm-hmm. That's so. I usually do get Tour de France flowers because the the sunflower, oh, the nice. sunflower is the like the flower of the Tour de France. So usually he'll get me a bouquet of flowers. Very with nice. Some sunflowers in it around oh, our nice. dating okay. anniversary. All right, cool. All. And then we got married. All right. And then we got married. And then Tour we got de married. France romance. And in our, I remember in our. Uh, premarital counseling you know they get the book and you got to answer the questions and one of them was like is this everything you ever dreamed of and he's so nice he's been married before and he's like oh yes of course and i'm like heck no (laughs) absolutely not this guy with a kid who's already stood up in front of his friends and family already had some lady he said yep i'm gonna love her forever you are not my dream guy no (laughs) you're not sorry i'm 30 like I'm sensible. This is no one's dream. It's good, and I like it, and I'm in it. And you know, like yeah, yeah. But no, oh, that's this is awesome. not what I dreamed about as a little girl. So that's uh, our unromantic story. That's actually a trick question on those. Uh, those it absolutely is. is. It? Oh, good. Yeah. So I'm glad we passed. I call them red flag questions. <laughs> yeah, because when everybody yeah. says yes, it is my dream. If, they go, if it's one through five, five, absolutely. Yeah. I could never live with anyone else. I have never learned anything new about my partner that I did not like. Oh, that's Five. Lies. Oh, please. <laughs> you yeah. lying liar. Lies. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. You refuse so. to see the truth. So that's not even real love. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Hey, welcome to your own delusion. Um, but that's great. I mean, that's a <laughs> so, blended family love is a different kind of love that, that a different kind of romance. And yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But it's not it's not holding hands in middle school. No, that's not even any of it. That yeah, because that's good. not what you're after. But it's good. Yes, of course. So mine mine's a little different than that. Um, my wife and I dated for two years 
when she was uh, she was still in high school. I had just graduated high school. We dated for two years, and then we broke up, and we were in different relationships for a couple of years, which were both kind of total train wreck relationships. <laughs> uh, I mean, they were disastrous. And um, after that, we spent some time single and kind of just reconnected. And, you know, it was a text here or there. It was a phone call. At one point, she was living with my mom. Um, <laughs> but you were not living with I wasn't mom. living with my mom. I was somewhere else. I was in a different state. But she was going to college nearby where my mom lived. So she asked, and she's, she's staying in my mom's spare room. That helped kind of recreate the phone call back and forth <laughs> and get to know you. She came and visited me where Andy. I was staying. <laughs> And thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> thanks, mom. Yeah, <laughs> if you're listening, ma, appreciate you. All right. Uh, and so we uh, we start dating again. Um, we we went on a road trip together. This was kind of like the how how much different are we from when we dated before to where we are now? And she's uh, she's 20 and I'm 22 when this is happening. So we we got married young. Like, Jai, I know you did as well. Yeah. We're the pastors you don't come to if you want us to talk your kid out of getting married because we're going to talk them right into it. But um, yeah. we, I'll uh, talk to them. Yeah, <laughs> send them to Jess. See Jess. Uh, you know, so we went on a road trip. We went down um, Route 1, uh, saw the Oregon coast, came down California because my mom was living in Arizona. So I was up north. We drive down. Um, we realized that we're still into each other. We still, we still want to pursue a relationship. We've dated for two years before. Why date anymore? So in August, we get <laughs> back. so reasonable. In August, we get back get together. That's 20-year-old thinking right there. In October, <laughs> in October, we get engaged. And in January, we get married. Just awesome. That was it. And, uh, and it has been a lot of fun. Marriage is one of those things for us that has come relatively natural. I know that's not necessarily the case for others. They've really struggled in their marriage, and I, I respect that. I, our struggle is more with the parenting. We're not natural parents, but we are pretty natural at being married to one another. So that's been a blessing. But that's our, I don't know if it's a romantic story or not. It's a, well, we kind of like each other. In fact, we could love each other. Why date? Let's just get married. <laughs> Pull the Sounds trigger. good to me. Yeah, there we are. Got it yep. done. So you got married young too, John. Yeah, absolutely. I was here at the church, my first ever church, uh, playing worship with my ponytail, long hair, <laughs> writing these songs that everyone hated. I made him sing. You know, <laughs> I was, I was uh, in a band, a Christian band, with uh, Judy Songer and oh, I love uh, her. others. Yeah, it was great. And uh, so there was only one really eligible girl in the whole church, and that was Shannon. And but Shannon was several levels higher than me in terms of attractiveness and she was young she was 18 and so she had a, a biker boyfriend you know and several other she like when, when we finally started dating you know i would just run into people all the time that while well, we were in love in 10th grade we were in love in ninth grade we were or not in love whatever dated yeah. or whatever so <laughs> and uh so you know i uh i liked her and uh, her mom and another lady in the church would get together. We went to a Christian concert together, and they worked it out, so we sat together. Ah, uh, well played. So, yeah, but she didn't really like it, and that was a typical thing for me. Like, this isn't going to work. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wrote her a song. She liked it, but it wasn't that great. Yeah. So then I wrote her another song. Oh. That one was better. Persistence. So, yeah, second song, you know, kind of romantic <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Sweet song. And you know, one thing led to the next, and we did finally just go on a date. I took her on a date, and that's where we sensed connection and 
like God's divine putting us together. We really felt that a lot. Like okay. God had called us together. She said she got a word from the Lord about me, you know, and I was different than every other boyfriend because on our first date, I talked about why I didn't want to be president. You know, and I'm mucking horse stalls <laughs> at my father's horse farm. You know, I did the exact opposite, yeah. the exact opposite. Why well, you do want to be president? Why well, I did want to be president? Yeah, because you know, it just wasn't for me. I'm not I arrogant. Made that choice already, so that was, so <laughs> she didn't need settled. to worry about that. No, she didn't need to worry about that. So, here's uh, the thing. Here's the, well, here's the thing. He had considered and thought through why he wanted to be president you and just then realized gotten he didn't want yet. it. Yeah. You just hadn't gotten I had there gotten yet. there. I was still considering it, so, so wanted to do yeah, it. So I'd already processed that. It was Same level of... The, developed the mind tracks of 20-year-old boys. Yep. Yep. Not going to do that. I'm still pretty sure. So, I'm yeah. 35 now. I can run for president today. Oh, that came up when you turned 35. I remember. Yeah. It's like a little... Sh- shook you up a little bit. Like, okay. I could do it. Time. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we date, and uh, you know, I think that was April-ish. She went to the prom with another guy, which I give her a hard time about all the time, because <laughs> she said she would, and he did this or that, and so she could have gone to her high school prom with me, who was 22 at the time. Okay. So, and I was finally 23, and she was still 18 when we got married in December. So first date was like March, April. Engagement was somewhere in the summer, like August. Okay. And then Pastor Stu here did not believe in long engagements because they don't work out. So uh, when we just we got married December 3rd, 1988. There you go. So, yeah. So you had like a six-month en- engagement. Yours I had like a two-month engagement. Mine was three. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Quick. If you're in it, get in. That's what I always tell my stepson because he's 16 and you're starting to... It was really a four-month engagement. Have those conversations. August to, yeah. Oh, August. August, Okay. But yeah, starting to have those conversations and like, don't waste somebody's time. If you're in it, get in. And if you're out, get out because it's not fair. And that, and, and it sets a precedent for the whole relationship. Like, yes. Because as, as 20 year olds that don't know anything, you still can make that commitment and it works for life. Oh, yeah. Because it's all about the commitment. It's all about, you know, are you going to keep your word or not? Right. It's not about the feelings. Right. Yeah. In fact, the feelings get tossed immediately. Right. I mean, it's not because you don't have the feelings, but that wasn't what drove the decision. But the feelings are like, like bad, stale Valentine's Day candy, right? I mean, at this point, like after 32 years, I got I got full-on meals. I right. got There's beautiful so much more. stuff. Oh, my. I mean, so yes. much right. more stuff. But you have to, but it takes work to get there. It and takes a lot of life. open communication. And now you, you just, it's like, oh, but this the, is But I think great. the meal metaphor, though, is is absolutely apt. Yeah. Because it is, how do you make a, a wonderful gourmet meal? It takes a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of skill. Because yeah. there's skill to marriage, you have right. to learn. Like nobody, while it came relatively easy for Aaron and I, we had to practice and learn. And we're only 12 years into this, with a lot more practicing and learning to do. And uh, I, I think again, it's demystifying marriage is something that that I'm glad we're doing in this yeah. episode and saying, hey. Do you want to sign up for a lifetime of, of hard work and suffering? Because welcome to marriage. That's just, that's life. Do you want to go through it with this person? And, and in my first, every time I do premarital with a couple, at the end of the first session, I ask the question, I say, I don't want an answer right now. If you come back for week two, you're saying yes. Is this the person you want to suffer with for the rest of your life? Because you could get married and then one of you gets sick and your entire marriage is suffering. And if you can't say yes to that, don't get married. Just right. we'll give you your money back. <laughs> don't do it. Um, because we're not guaranteed 
anything but suffering in this life. We are guaranteed Christ will be in it with us. That's it. And uh, I, I think it's important that we help people see marriage is not it's not the rom-com. It's real life stuff. Right. And uh, if you're single and you're looking at the rom-com and saying, man, I wish that was my life. Nobody has it. That's nobody's no. life. No. <laughs> that's nobody's life. No. Anything else for uh, for Valentine's Day, seeing as we've totally like demystified the whole thing? Well, you know, I did say that God, we felt like God had called us together. Yeah. So there was a lot that we didn't have in common, but we just had that faith in common. And, you know, uh, there's no questioning it now. And I have had a lot of people who said the same thing, and then their marriages didn't work out. Mm. So I'm not sure where they were coming from, but the the God piece is so huge. It is. And, you know, I... I I love suffering through things with my wife, and Amen. you know, I love the, I love every part of it. You know, I was thinking we were in some kind of bitter, not bitter, but uh, bickering, a bickering kind of, which we love to do. I mean, that's <laughs> it's so much fun. Can I say it's foreplay? You know, I mean, can I say that? <laughs> we did. We said right. it. Oh, there was a line. It was so clear, and you were like, I "I'll just over it. step over." It. I'm just gonna tap a toe. But sometimes you just like I'm bored. I just... So you you bring up one of the old like we have arguments that have lasted for decades. You know, classics. I'll just start, just drop that in there. It's like it's like a just... Led Zeppelin song. Yeah, oh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. And then you get going. I heard that in forever. Some new material. You know, what was that? What was that? <laughs> Well, I think that was the computer telling us we've crossed lines and need to stop. I don't yeah. know. That was so strange. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think that in and of itself is part of the camaraderie. It is the bickering. It is the it's, person that you have to learn how to be able to do that. It is with. the romance, and yes. it is the uh, the intimacy part because it's a you're with a whole person, and, right? You know, and uh, you know that can you can have versions of that that are very different. In friendships right. and in other relationships, right, and so I think we're we're going to great pains to make sure that we emphasize that, yeah, because life is about the relationships you have, and we have different kinds of relationships, and we happen to be married people, so right. we have that relationship with a, you know, our most important human relationship is with our spouse, right, right, and so I, I hope you know as we close this one up, um, marriage is beautiful, it is not ultimate. The ultimate relationship you have is with the Lord, and you can be totally fulfilled whether you're married or single. Um, if you're married, pour in, lean in. If you're single, pour in, lean in. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's our hope this Valentine's Day week. Hope you had a wonderful time with us. It's a little bit of a longer episode, but that was kind of fun. We had yeah. a good time. And we will see you guys next week for another episode of Good Will Talk. Thanks for listening. We hope that this episode encouraged you. To listen to more episodes or to give us that five-star rating, check us out at iTunes or Google Play. You can also listen on the Goodwill Church app. And for more information about Goodwill Church, visit us at goodwillchurch.org. See you again next time here at Goodwill Talk.